0: All right, it is time for another podcast session of the Master Passive Income Podcast. My name's Dustin Heiner, and in the Master Passive Income Podcast, we talk all about real estate rental properties and how you can quit your job, that's right. Actually stop working for somebody else because you have a business that runs automatically, makes you money every single month, and you never have to worry about working a job again. When I was 37 years old, I actually quit my job. Now, what's funny is when I was 27, I realized I hated working for other people, so I gave myself 10 years. I said, in 10 years, I'm gonna quit my job, and in nine years, I beat my goal of 10 years. In nine years, I actually quit my job. Praise the Lord, it's been two years since I quit my job, and I will never, ever have another job again. On top of that, the business that I own runs itself. I don't do any work, and the business continues to run. This is what I want for you. This is why I have the Master Passive Income podcast, is to show you how you can do the exact same thing that I've done and have an amazing life without working a job, still making money, not having to worry about bills or anything. like that because you have money coming in automatically. Now today we're going to be looking at the step-by-step process of a real estate transaction into passive income. Everything from finding a property all the way to actually making money every single month. I'm going to demystify it so instead of it seeming really complex and complicated I'm going to give you a step-by-step process you can follow to make sure that you get it done right. Now let's look at this step-by-step process to get passive income into your pocket every single month. All right let's start the show. Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about investing in real estate rental properties with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here's your host, Dustin Heiner. All right, everybody, welcome to 2019, 2019 man, another year has gone by and another year starting. And what is so amazing is that we have a new year to start investing or continue to invest and build our businesses even bigger. Now, in looking at the new year, I get a lot of people that tend to look back at the previous year to you know find their accomplishments, see what they've done. And I don't know if they're nostalgic or they just like to go back and be grateful for what they've done, which is really, really well and good. But I'm not that type of guy. It turns out for me, usually throughout the month of December, my brain just goes to what's going to happen next year. I'm a goal-oriented type of person, and so I look forward to what I'm going to be doing for the future of my business, like buying more properties, getting um, multifamily, like like 50, 60-unit apartment complexes, getting investors... That are ready to invest with me as soon as I get a property under contract. And so um, I have all these things and I have all these goals. And even for master passive income, I have goals on top of my real estate investing goals, which that's my main business. That's where I make all my money. But to help you guys out, I'm thinking of many courses that I can create, other topics for podcasts, and how I can actually bring more value to you guys. You know, I have things like in the works of creating a how to invest in rental properties with low and no money down because I have a lot of people asking me you know how do I get started with low or no money because I don't have money how do I get started well there are plenty of ways now to be honest with you it's a lot of work to get no, low and no money it's so much easy when you, it's easier when you have money it's harder when you don't have money but there's absolutely ways to do it you just have to put your effort instead of you know working uh, you know slaving away at a job you put your effort in getting deals with low and no money down so there's great ways Ways to do that. I'm also looking at getting a property management um, online course that I could put through I'm also taking on new students, and I love working with my students. I have some great people that I work with, and I only take a handful at a time, and so um, it's terrific finding and meeting and, and working with all of my students. I just love seeing them and planning their out, you know, the next six months or the next year. So I usually plan out the next six months. I know what I'm going to be doing the next five years, or at least that's I have a big, broad picture for the next five years, but in the next six months, I'd have actionable items that I'm going to be putting in place, finding properties, using, utilizing funds that I can use from other people, finding new investors, all that sort of stuff. And so hopefully, you're going to be doing that same thing. In the next six months, you already have an idea or start, I'm going to suggest now, start getting an idea of what you're going to be doing this next six months to make your business successful. It could be Buying the first property—it could be buying your eighth property, or getting financing for your next property. Whatever it might be, I want you to start thinking. Okay, this next six months, I want to buy. Let's say buying your first property. Well, in the next six months, you have to do a number of things, like getting financing, making sure you have the right area to invest, having property managers start looking at properties, all that sort of stuff. You need to have go have these goals or these these milestones set in your brain, or actually, I would strongly suggest writing them down. So you have those milestones that you can actually go back and look at where am I at? What's my next step? What's my next to do so that I can get to that next step? Because honestly, getting that first property is always the hardest. Getting that next property is hard, but you can do it. Make your goals, make your milestone. Now, as I've been doing this podcast, I always try to find new ways and new things to teach you and new things to look out for. So I'm always trying to learn from lots and lots of people. But here's the funny thing. In all of my searching for new things, uh, new ways to invest in, and new ways to make money and trying to help and teach you, I came across something that actually made me laugh, like literally laugh out loud. You know that that uh, term L.O.L.? But I was literally laughing out loud, more out of sheer bewilderment and just like, what? Are you kidding me? So... There is a guru out there, a real estate guru. Um, his name is Grant Cardone. I'm not saying he's a bad guy or anything. It's just, you know, um, I, I don't really gravitate towards Grant Cardone. He's a little more, um, uh, I don't know, Grant Cardone-ish uh, than, than I am. But some people love him or lots of people love him. And so I think something like I, I saw an article that went over to his website, looked at it for one or two seconds and didn't see anything that I really um, was, was either new or exciting. And then I closed it and went back out. But apparently... Facebook liked that I went to his website. So when I went fa- to Facebook, like, I don't know, a couple hours later to see, you know, what's going on with my friends and family, I see Grant Cardone's sponsored, um, what is it, like post or sponsored ad that's on there. And I laughed out loud when I saw this. So it had Grant Cardone and apparently it has his wife on there. He is, he's um, advertising a one-on-one coaching with his wife, and I thought, oh, okay, you know, one-on-one coaching with his wife. And then I saw his pr- price tag. You know, at first I thought, you know, that'd be kind of neat. You know, she probably knows her stuff, and you can get coaching with her. That's fantastic. Then I saw the price tag. Guess how much it is? Stop right now. And just think, how much would coaching be for a one-on-one coaching from Grant Cardone or and, and his wife? I guess basically his wife doing. It, it was twenty-five thousand dollars. Twenty-five thousand dollars for a one-on-one coaching, and here was what's funny: the I cl- I was I was dumbfounded. So I literally I had to click on it just to see, just to get a, a glimpse of what in the world they would be offered for twenty-five thousand dollars. You better be doing everything. It was oh, funny. So I clicked on the link, went to the site that showed what you get for your twenty-five thousand dollars. Basically, it was a. If you wanted to fly out to visit them, you can have one session with them or one meeting with them. I think it said like a one or two hour meeting with them. And they will then give you a step-by-step plan. And then that's it. That's it. Like literally $25,000 to meet with them. And you could even do $25,000. It could be a Skype phone call with them for one to two hours. And they give you a plan and then you're done. Now, maybe there's a lot more to it. But on their sales page, that was literally it. It was basically paying $25,000 for one meeting with his wife and that just seems like a ton of money for almost nothing. I mean, you get a little bit, but I mean, what would that be worth? Apparently, she is such high dollar value and, and in, in uh, demand that she can charge $25,000. Hey, if people are going to pay her $25,000, then good for her. She, that's fantastic. Then I clicked over on Grant Cardone's one-on-one training. So, his one-on-one training, if you wanted to get trained by him for an entire year, this would be a one-on-one package where once a month he would talk to you for an hour. So it's basically 12 hours of his time for an entire year. Guess how much his one-on-one package is for well, for an entire year. That's right. You would your jaw's probably going to hit the ground. Mine did. 120 $1,000 for 12 one-on-one sessions where you would talk to them on the phone for an hour. 12 one-on-one sessions $120,000. What is I, has has anybody ever paid that? I mean, what in the world would you be doing spending $120,000? Most people do not have that type of money, and even if they did, why would they pay $120,000? If they do, then that's great. I know you're not like that, and I'm definitely not like that, too. I'm not going to spend $120,000. Now, what I do in my, I, the reason why I say this is because I do coaching with lots of students, and I charge literally a fraction, like not, not even like 1%, like a fraction of that. And I give them so much more. I give them hours of coaching. I give them, um, I work with them analyzing projects. I work with them analyzing deals, finding areas to invest. I'd work with them and give them a plan from where they are now to how they can get to where they have an automatic business. And I help them get to where they literally don't need a job anymore. So it, it was just dumbfounding. I just had to say that. Now, if you go to my podcast show notes, I'm going to have everything that I talk about in this podcast, as well as a screenshot of the $25,000 paid coaching, one-on-one coaching with Grant Cordon's wife. So the podcast show notes is masterpassiveincome.com forward slash zero four zero. This is the 40th session of the Master Passive Income podcast. And if you go there, I will also have a diagram that shows the step-by-step process that I created, that you that we're basically walking through today. So go to the podcast show notes, get a laugh at a $25,000 coaching package. It's just Silly. All right, now let's get into the show. So, in today's show, we're going to be talking all about the process of a real estate transaction to cash flow or to passive income from identifying a property all the way to the very end, where you find a renter, you actually sign a lease, and you make a positive return. On your money and again like I said I have a whole diagram that walks you through every single step and if you want to you know save it or bookmark this page so you can go back and find it over and over again so you can go through the the whole entire process you can absolutely do that okay so let's dive into it now the first step In finding a property, I know this is going to be uh, pretty mind-blowing, but it's locate the property, obviously. I know, imagine that. That's the first step is to find a property. But we'll go through every single step. There's like 10 of them. So we need to locate and identify the potential investment property. Now, if you listen to my other podcast shows, I explain what type of property to look for, what type of area to look for. I explain all these intricate things inside other podcast shows so go ahead and go back and listen to those after you listen to this so as i go through these steps you're going to have questions well all those questions should be answered in all the previous podcast show notes now let's go through it so locating and identifying the potential investment property now a big tip and i've said this in previous podcast shows but i gotta tell you you want to find good investment properties not a good home to live in like you're not going to be living in this home Somebody will, and somebody will live there. There are always going to be renters. There's always people that need a place to live, and you and I are going to be the people that are going to buy those properties that they can live in. So you want to find good investment properties, not good homes. Like You don't want to find the best property on the block and buy it, pay a premium for it, and then try to rent it out and make you know, $25 a month. No, we don't do that as investors. We make our money work for us, and then we also do our best to find properties that we can put money into. Fix up, make the value more, make it rent more and make money every single month. So the first step again is to find the property and that's among hundreds that are currently listed for sale in any area that you're wanting to invest. It could be any state and that's something that I specialize in in helping all my students is to invest in other states other than the one you live. Now some people may live in the Midwest or like in Ohio or Tennessee or Oklahoma, where they have good properties that can give good cash flow that right next to them. But not everybody does. I know everybody that listens to this podcast, they're going to be all over the world, if not all over the country, not in a specific state. So what I specialize in in helping all my students is finding new areas to invest and how to make an automatic business in another state that's thousands of miles away from you so that you can live the dream life because you don't actually have to have a job. So let me give you a few criteria when you're looking for an investment property. So, first one is you need to find a three-bedroom, two-bath, single-family home. Remember, this is going to be like the cookie-cutter home that you're always, that's your go-to type of home that everybody's going to either want to buy when you try to sell, or they're going to want to rent because it's a, it's a nice home. It's not too big. It's not too small. It's like you know Goldilocks and the three bears. It's perfect. It's the it's the right size. So, three-bedroom, two-bath, single-family home that has 1200 to 1400 square feet and a two car garage. Now, this is the type of property. I'll say it one more time. 3 bedroom, 2 bath, single family home with over 1400 square feet and has a two car garage. Now, the price range should be between like maybe 80,000 or below. You know, it could be 60, 50, 40, 30, 20,000. It could be that. Um, but if you go maybe 60, dollars 70000 dollars to $120,000. When you get above, when you start to get to 150, dollars dollars $200,000, you start having diminishing returns. Because basically, if you're borrowing $200,000 and you're making $200, that, I mean, you're only making $200, but you have a big mortgage payment that you if you have to evict somebody, you have to pay. But if you have a $100,000 loan that's a much smaller, like cut that in half. And that's a much, a much smaller mortgage that you need to pay. And so you have less debt on yourself as opposed to more debt. And so I would personally let's sum it all up. I would personally rather have a hundred thousand dollar property with a note or a mortgage on it and make $250 as opposed to a $200,000 home with a big mortgage on that one and make 200 or $250 a month. So I would rather have less money out of my pocket or less money in debt for the amount of passive income coming in. Now, if it's different, if it was a $200,000 property that brought you $500 a month in passive income, then great, that's double the the, the $100,000 property in passive income coming in. So you wanna identify a potential investment property by looking at all the different properties that are out there, seeing which ones are the best price, and you need to, the next step, is evaluate the property. Now that you've already found a property, You found maybe one, two, three, or four, but let's just say you found one and you know you're going to go with this area, you're going to find this property that you like, it looks good, now we need to evaluate. property single-family homes their value is based upon comparable sales of like properties in the area not like you know from california to to texas no it's not like that it's in the area within a two mile radius and so the same amount of bedrooms same amount of bathrooms square footage they basically look at uh, maybe the exact same type of home if not off by maybe you know a hundred more square feet or less square feet they try to find as close as they can they try to find a comparable home that is like yours that has sold recently so that they can give that value for it. So you want to evaluate the property. Number one, make sure that the property is not overvalued where the person selling it, where you see the comparables are 100000 but they're trying to sell it for $130,000, 120000 or 110000 You don't want to buy that property because it's overvalued. They're trying to get too much for it. Uh, us as investors, we try to get as little money coming out of our pocket so that we get more money coming in. So if the value is a hundred thousand, I'm trying to get that property for 80,000, maybe 75,000. I try to get it for less so that I basically pocket. It's called equity capture that you capture that equity. So if they're asking a hundred thousand dollars and its value is a hundred thousand dollars right now, but you get it for $80,000, you literally capture $20,000 in equity at the moment that you bought that property. That's $20,000 in equity in your pocket that you can use for a refinance or something else that you can use that equity for. So you want to look at comparable homes to make sure you find the right value. There are other things that you need to bring into account when you're buying a home. Let's say the market value is $100,000. The asking price is like $98,000 or $100,000. Let's just say the asking price and the market value is the same at $100,000. You negotiate the price down to $80,000. Well, you have equity made $20,000 right in your pocket, but you got to think of how much it's going to cost to rehab. Basically, how much is it going to cost to get the property rent shape, rentable shape or rent ready so that a tenant can move in? You know, if it's going to cost you $40,000 to get a tenant in there, well, you're going to be buying it for 80, its value is $100,000, you put $40,000 into it and you're at 120. Well, you would increase the value, but you're not doing that much to actually put more money in your pocket. So we want equity capture, but we also want to have forced appreciation. Where we put money into the property, fixing up, you know, giving new paint, new carpet, new, you know, light switches, things like that. Make it look pretty so that the value goes up even more. Your goal should be to put five, six, or seven thousand dollars into the property. So instead of paying just eighty thousand dollars, you put five or six, seven thousand dollars. So you let's say you're at eighty-seven thousand dollars. So you still have the equity capture of thirteen thousand dollars in your pocket. Remember, the market value is hundred thousand dollars. You fix it up for, uh, bought it and fixed it up for eighty-seven thousand dollars. A hundred thousand minus eighty-seven thousand is thirteen thousand dollars of equity. In your pocket, so you also need to look at your rehab costs. You want to make sure that you can force the appreciation to go up. You're not going to be losing equity, and you're going to be making money. So, from locating and identifying the potential investment property, you need to evaluate the property to make sure it's a it's a viable property that you're not overpaying for the property. Now, let's move on to number three. You wanna analyze the numbers to make sure the property cash flows. Now analyzing the numbers basically means calculating all your expenses that you're gonna get every single month from the property. And top of that, seeing how much you're gonna be able to rent the property for. Now let's say this property can rent for $1,200. If you have expenses that are only $800 and all the expenses from taxes, insurance, any maintenance, any vacancy factor where somebody's moved out of the property and you're not getting rent, um, all these different you know, property managers, repairs, pest control, things like that. You have all these expenses put in and it's a total of $800. If you're making $1,200 per month, minus $800, you're getting $400 in passive income coming into your pocket every single month because income minus expenses is your profit. Now, if your expenses is $1,300 and you're only making $1,200, well, you're losing $100 a month and we don't invest for that. If I was losing money on my properties, I would have to work because I could not live on losing money. Um, I, you know, I need money coming in my pocket. So I shoot for a positive passive income of $200 to $250 a month or more per property. Now there are many expenses that you will come across. Now I'm going to give you a few here and there's there's tons of them that you may come across. Now you're not going to have all of these, but you can have some. Let me walk you through. So there could be accounting that you might need to account for, you know, like your, your bookkeeping, um, advertising, reserved funds, electricity, insurance, property management fees, pest control, repairs, property taxes, security services, Lawn care, utilities, so I mean, there's so many different things, and I have all these in the show notes again. But I also have something free that I want you to use it's my rental property calculator. And I've listed just about everything in the rental property calculator that you can have as an expense. I even have an extra line item that if you find anything else, you can throw that in there as well. But this rental property calculator is actually going to give you the ability to run the numbers on a certain property all for free. So when you have a property that you want to analyze the numbers, go to my free investment property calculator. And in there, you will be able to figure out if you're going to be making money every single month on a property or losing money. Now to get there, go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash resources. R-E-S-O-U-R-C-E-S, just like it sounds, resources, and you will find my property calculator in there. Just click on that. It'll actually take you through the entire process. Even it will calculate a mortgage payment and how much you're going to have in a mortgage payment all for you, and it'll pop out a beautiful number of a positive income every single month or a negative income. And so what you want to do is make sure that step number three is we are going to Run the numbers. We're going to make sure that this property puts money in our pocket every single month. Remember, that's masterpassiveincome.com forward slash resources. And in that resources page, I got tons of extra great things for you, like free contracts for you to download, free other documents and other calculators and all that sort of stuff. Okay, your next one, the next step is to contact the owner and negotiate an agreement with them. Now, the owner, like let's say, for instance, you find a property that is for sale by owner on Craigslist. Well, you need to talk to the property owner, but what if you find it in on the MLS or in Zillow where it's listed for sale? Now this property could have a realtor that's actually listing this home for sale. So you would talk to the realtor, or if you have a realtor of your own, which I don't necessarily say that you need need one. You could just talk to the seller and realtor yourself and just say, I'm representing myself and I want to talk to you about the property. So then you negotiate with either the seller or with the realtor. So this can't be one of the most scary parts of a transaction. I completely understand that because running numbers and doing everything on your own in your home, you know, in your bedroom where you're in your pajamas and all that sort of stuff, that's so easy to do. But when you actually have to talk to somebody, I know you can get a little nerve wracking. I know I could get a little nervous when all of a sudden I'm starting to talk to somebody and I'm on the phone. It starts to ring like, what am I going to say? You know, I've been there. It happens. But what you need to do is. Literally just start trying. Just call one after another. Make yourself, force yourself to do this. Just think of, if you have a boss, like if you're married, your boss is your spouse. He or she tells you, get on the phone, start making calls, you know, start making these cold calls where you start finding properties. Just imagine this is your job. You know, I want to quit my job so I can work for myself. This is my job. This is my business. If I don't do it, nobody will. So I'm encouraging you to pick up that phone force yourself, like get the grit, you know, like grit your teeth and say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. I had to do this. I remember the very first time I made a phone call and started talking to somebody about a property. I was scared. I had no clue what I was going to say but I learned what I was going to say, and obviously listen to my podcast, you can all hopefully get so many good things about what to say and how to ask things and what to look for. And in this process, you're going to develop the grit to be able to say, you know what? It's just another phone call. It's another human being on the other line. They have a property they want to sell. I may want to buy it. Let's just talk about it. So get that in your mind. You want to contact the owner and negotiate an agreement with them or the, the realtor, but it's just another person that you're going to be talking to one-on-one. Even if you think, I don't know what to say, just say, hey, I see you have a property listed on, you know, number one, Happy Street. Can you tell me about it? That's all you got to say. And then they'll start talking. And then in that time, you're going to be getting ideas in your in your head of what you should say. Now, if they are willing to sell, which more than likely the reason why it's listed is because they are willing to sell, you need to talk about the purchase price you know, inspection period—how long you're going to be able to inspect the property or have a home inspector come and inspect the per- the property? You know, escrow length, any concessions or contingencies like I'm gonna—it's can this home purchase is contingent on a satisfactory. Inspection report that could that's that's I always have that in there. I want to make sure that it's a satisfactory inspection and what type of terms and and other things that you're going to agree to. So these this is the period that you're going to be talking to them as well as figuring out what it's going to take to actually get the property in your pocket. Obviously, the number one th- thing is basically purchase price, but you don't talk about that until you get as much information out of them as possible like why are they selling or is there anything wrong with the property is there anything you should know about the property Um, you know all these sort of things come to mind as you're talking to them get as much information as you can then you if you want to go ahead and you know hang up say thank you very much I'll think about it hang up write all your numbers down analyze everything make sure everything looks good And then call them back the next day and say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about your property. You know, are you flexible on it? Oh, sorry. I've said this many times um, in previous podcast shows. And I want you to know this. Everything in this business is negotiable. Everything from the purchase price to the realtor's commission—how many points you're going to pay, like you know, three percent or six percent—or what, everything is negotiable in anything. So if you're thinking, even like, well, I'll give you many examples: the realtor commission, the title company's commissions, the and and fees and property manager fees—like literally every single time money comes out of your pocket in this business that is negotiable. Always negotiate. The worst they can say is no. I mean, you already have a no now. Like if they're going to ask $100,000 for a property and you don't say, well, how about 80? Would you take $80,000 for it? If you don't ask, you already have a no. Like you literally don't even have, uh, you have the $100,000 coming out of your pocket as opposed to 80. So I would suggest always negotiate everything. My wife is one that does not negotiate. She loves that. I love negotiating because I do all the negotiating and I love doing it. It's it's like a game for me. It's really, really fun. And I have a podcast show that I talk all about negotiating everything in your business so that you can make even more money and, and build your business even faster. So go back. And I think that is the podcast show. Number 14, and Actually, yes, yeah, so that is. That is podcast show number 14. You To find it really simple, go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash 014, and I have all the show notes there and, and the podcast you can listen to and all that. But I talk to you through how to actually negotiate everything and wig big and I, how I've done it many, many times where I make tons more money because I negotiate everything. All right. Now, the next step is create the contract on the agreed upon terms and contract with the seller now basically whatever you agreed upon you know the terms any concessions purchase price all these sort of things are going to be put in the contract now if you're working with a realtor the realtor will do all that work for them make them work you're paying them money and the seller's paying them money make them do all the work for you tell them what to do and so they're going to do what you say but now if you're working with a seller one-on-one which i've done many many times work with a seller one-on-one, don't even need realtors, not saying you don't ever use them, they serve their purpose, but when you have done it plenty of times, you could do it all on your own. So you write up the contract with everything itemized out and to be completely um, uh, straightforward and tell you that never hide anything, I'm gonna be completely honest and say, everything that you do in this business, Be as transparent as possible because you can, you know, people can sue you or they can get upset and pull out of a deal. You want to be as transparent as possible. So, if there's something you don't like, um, or there's something that you need, or there's something that is, um, you're, you're kind of thinking, hey, I'm kind of concerned about this, bring it up, talk about it, get it all out in the open. The worst they can do is say no, but there are plenty of properties out there for you to move on to. So, again, Anytime, like you don't want to try to hide something in a contract, even though you think, oh, we've already talked about it, but I'm not sure. So I'm just going to put it here and hopefully they don't see it. Well, you can, but my opinion is, People like working with honest people, people that are sellers really appreciate an honest real estate investor that says, Hey, I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to help you out as much as I can. And here is what I see. And this is what I need. And you basically put everything out there. Like if you need to have them pay the the property taxes before they, before you sell, then make sure that's itemized and laid out in there. So again, be completely honest Completely transparent and forthcoming in everything in this business. Trust me, it will come back to bite you if you try to hide anything. If you try to slip something in a contract or whatever it might be, that would be negative. So create the contract with the agreed upon terms of the contract with the seller and present it to the seller. Or have the agent, your your realtor, present it to the seller. And so that's basically getting everything down before everything's already all committed and set in stone. They have a chance to come back and say, well, I don't like this. Let's change this. Hopefully everything's gonna work out great because you've already agreed upon it. You've already talked about everything. You know what they want. You know what you want. And you've already agreed. And you just write everything up. Now, the next step would actually, you know, once you have the contract written up, you get them to sign it, basically. They need to sign the contract. You sign the contract. And then you have that contract set in stone. Honestly, the sooner you put that contract set in stone, the better. The sooner you do that, the sooner it is off the market. Like basically nobody else can come, like an investor like me, like if you have a property under contract and I see this property, you know, like three days later, I'm like, oh, it's still, it's on the market. Let me go put an offering on it. And I have, you know, I'm gonna pay $5,000 more because I think it's a great house. Well, you already have a contract on it that they cannot break. Only when your contract is voided by basically, you know, time running out or something else happening. You know, only when that happens can they sell the house to somebody else, even if they offer them more money. Once it's in contract, you have the legal ability to take them to court if they sell it to somebody else and get reparations from them for this process. Hopefully you don't have to do any of that stuff and they don't try to sell it out from underneath you, but you have the legal recourse because you have a contract, something set in stone. Don't go off of It's kind of funny. I'm just going to bring up something really funny. Um, The Simpsons. I I used to watch The Simpsons all the time. There was a really, really funny one time where Homer Simpson was talking to a lawyer and the lawyer asked him, did you get express written consent to use this? And Homer said, no, I got implied oral consent. And so it's obviously the opposite, implied oral as opposed to explicit sign. And so, no, you don't want (laughs) implied oral consent. You want actually written consent, written consent. Um, completely authorized and they have signed on the dotted line that they are selling it to you for every term and every price and everything that you already have. Next step, once you have everything signed and everything's ready to go, you open title with an escrow company. Open title basically means you go to the escrow company and you tell tell them, I'm buying this house from you know John Doe or somebody and they say, okay, great. We're going to look through the title work of the company, basically make sure there are no liens against the property, no back taxes, no you know n- nothing bad with the property. So when you buy it, you're not going to have any issues. Title companies are great. I do a lot of title work myself. I do a lot of research on everything on properties, but I rely on title companies because title companies you're paying them, and it's really not that much. Maybe I don't know five, six, seven hundred dollars, depending on the state and and whoever you're working with. It can go up and down, but the work that they do, it actually helps you to know that the property you're buying does not have anybody else that can come and say, hey, I own part of that property or that's my property. Like you don't want to be buying a property from Joe Schmo when John Doe actually owns it. If you do that, you go, you know, you go to the title company and say, hey, I'm buying it from Joe Schmo and the title company looks and who actually is the owner, the real owner is John Doe. Well, They're going to say, hey, you're buying it from the wrong person. If you give them money, you're not going to get ownership because they don't actually own the property. And so a title company is great. Now, it's so super simple to find a title company. There are so many of them, and many of them are nationwide, like literally in California to New York. You'll have companies that are the same companies, and they all do a good job, and more than likely... You pick one that has a decent reputation, that has many offices, you're going to get a good company that's going to do good title company ser- or t- title search on the property. On top of that, they're going to give you title insurance. Title insurance is basically saying, at the time that we did this research and before, we did not find any issues with the title, you know who, the, the ownership and you know, any liens on the property. They, they've actually cleared it and said, this, is, this property will be free and clear yours when you buy it and they give you that insurance so if they missed anything let's say they missed something like back in 1972 somebody had partial ownership of the property and the other person you're trying to buy it from had partial ownership and he's representing the the is representing that they own everything well it's not the case and so if the title company misses that and it comes back up you know a year two years later and depending on you know the, the time frame for the insurance the title company will actually do all the work to clear that up they'll pay all the fees they'll they they're guaranteeing in a sense that there is nobody that has a stake of ownership in the property and they will be free and clear of yours now after you started escrow you know once you get everything going you need to get satisfactory inspections. Basically, get home inspections, get pest inspections. In certain areas of the country, you may need to get pest inspections that are like termite inspections. I know in California, every single time you buy a house, it has to have a termite inspection if you're getting a mortgage because there are termites in California, uh, most places in California. Like in Arizona, I, when I bought my property properties, I did not need a, a termite inspection because there are not that many termites out there. And so just depending on the area, and if you're getting a mortgage, the mortgage company will tell you what type of inspections you're going to need to get. But here's one that you should never miss. Even if you're buying with cash, You're and I've bought many houses with cash, I always do a home inspection with a good home inspector. I mean, they, they inspect from top to bottom. They look at everything possible that they can see. You know, they don't open up walls and, you know, try to look at plumbing behind the wall and all that sort of stuff. But anything visual that they don't have to tear apart, they are looking at everything from the roof to the foundation to the electrical, electrical panels, the, the furnace, the water heat. They look at everything. Most inspectors should take about two hours or more at your property. You know, if they're there for 30 minutes, they are not a good home inspector. You want somebody that's gonna take the time to be able to really look at every single part of the property. Now, what they're gonna give you is a inspection report. Now you want to look through that report to make sure there's no huge deficiencies. Basically, like hey, the roof is literally falling off and it's going to need to be repaired tomorrow. Um, you you want to look for things in there that are big alarms, like they're, alarms. There are going to be some things that are hazardous. Do this right now. Like this needs to be fixed right now. There are things that are going to say, hey, and you know, in the next five years you're going to have to replace this or these are satisfactory. So you need to look at the inspection report, and each inspection report is different depending on the home inspector and the company that they work for, but you. You want to go through to make sure that the property sound. Now, here's a tip I'm going to give you. If you find that, okay, you've already made a offer to the seller. Sellers already agreed. You already have the contract signed and you already have the dollar amount. Like you say, it's worth a hundred thousand. I'm buying it for $80,000. You have a signed contract for $80,000. Good for you. But what if the inspector comes back and says, Hey, it needs a new furnace It needs a new hot water heater, and the foundation is is really, really questionable. You need to get that fixed right away. Well, you have that concession. Remember at the beginning um, when we talked about talking with the seller, where you have a contingency saying, this purchase of the property is contingent on a satisfactory home inspection. And so the tip is, when you do find something that is not good, where you can say, well, I'm going to back out. And the reason why is this, instead of saying that, instead of saying, I'm going to back out, it's still probably a good property. You just need to make sure the seller pays for whatever issue. Let's say it's the roof. The roof is really falling apart and they say it absolutely must be fixed and it's going to cost $8,000. Well, you go back to the seller and say, Hey seller, this is what's going on. I still want to buy the property. But because the inspection shows that the roof needs replaced, I need to have the roof imp- replaced and I need you to pay for it. So we're either going to have you replace it before I buy it and you pay everything out of pocket or you give me $8,000 off the property. So instead, because uh, I know it's going to cost $8,000, you know, you already got a quote from a, a roofing company. And so this is what I've done in the past where I knew there was something that was wrong, like a septic system was gone or roofing needs to be repaired or something. I knew that that's going to be a problem. I went out and quickly got a quote or an estimate. And with that estimate, I went to the seller and said, this property needs $8,000 worth of work. So... You can either do it yourself right now or just credit me $8,000. So instead of buying for $80,000, we'll put the purchase price at $72,000. So there'll be an $8,000 credit going towards me. So it's less coming out of my pocket and I will take care of the repairs, obviously everything else. Like if it's above $8,000, if you do that, it's out of your pocket. So just in case you want to make sure you overestimate and make sure that the, the whoever's giving you an estimate knows exactly what they're doing. So that satisfactory inspection. If everything comes back and everything looks fantastic and you have a satisfactory inspection, you want to then move on to satisfy all the contingencies. You want to satisfy everything out there. Like if it's contingent on getting financing, if it's contingent on a home inspection or a roof inspection, termite inspection, You want to make sure everything's satisfied. Now, the next step is easy. Work with the title company to close escrow. It's literally just walking in the title company or them sending you a notary, which I've done many times because I bought out of state and I'm not going to fly to sign papers. They send a notary out to my home and I sign the paper where I buy the property. It's just that easy. The next step. Here's the last few steps. You make the property rent ready by rehabbing the property. So as soon as you get the keys, as soon as money's transferred, the title's transferred, and you get the keys of the property, you need to have your crews ready to get in there and start cleaning up the property. And you should already have everything in mind and have people ready. Like you've already said, I have my crew for painting. I have my crew for flooring. I have my crew for getting windows in because the windows are broken or whatever it might be. You have everything ready to make it rent ready so you can jump in there. hopefully at most you're spending two weeks on the property at most and in the meantime here's the next step you're finding a renter and so you don't need to wait until the property's done to start advertising the property but I suggest here's a pro tip for you don't show the property until the property is done. You don't want a good potential renter to come in and see a property that's halfway done and be like, "Ooh, you know, and they don't understand that you're fixing it up. But they, they understand it, but they can't see the broad picture like, hey, what it's going to look like when it's done. You don't want to scare off anybody away. So you can say, I can take your number and as soon as it's done, I'll have you come through the property. Do that. Don't show it before it's actually done. So now the next step in finding a renter is advertising it, going through a property manager or a leasing agent that's going to find you a property go through craigslist put the ad on zillow.com many different ways but you need to find a renter now i'm going to give you another pro tip always 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 do a background check if it's you doing the background check or your property manager doing the background check Never, never, never place a tenant inside your property without doing a full background check. I so many times have been surprised at what comes up on a background check where a person is lying on their application to get in the place. And it comes back to, you know, what's the true about them is not what they put on the application, but what comes back in their background check. And I'm not going to get into all the weird, crazy things, um, but always do it because it's going to save you a lot of money in the long run. If it's if one thirty five dollar fee that you're charging for applicants, which they should have the money to pay, if they're not going to pay for an application, they're not serious enough to rent the property. So have them pay an application fee, basically just to run a background check, whatever that fee is, have them pay for it and then look at that background check to make sure it's satisfactory for you now if you use the property management system Cozy that I use. And if to find it, go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash Cozy, C O Z Y. It'll take you over to Cozy. It's absolutely free and it's fantastic. So go through my link, Cozy, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash Cozy, and it does all your property management, uh, does all your expenses. It, it will actually list properties for rent for you. You'll even have them have the, the tenants actually go through a background check on Cozy itself. They pay for it themselves. It's it's fantastic, and it's absolutely free. So go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash Cozy, C-O-Z-Y. Get signed up for free. Get started. It's going to be fantastic for you. So they're going to take care of that, but never ever place a tenant if you don't run a background check. Next thing, sign the lease agreement with the tenant. You need to make sure that you have this lease agreement. Do not put anybody, do not, you know, let anybody store like their, like, okay, I'll give you an example. I have a friend of mine. He This has got me trained of thought that I really gotta tell you. I have a friend of mine, who had his house that he moved out of, and he's renting it out. Well, the tenants lived in there for like eight years, and praise the Lord, they said they was excited that they stayed there for so long, but they moved on, and they were fixing it up, and there was this uh, young lady that want, wanted to rent in her place, and they were somewhat acquaintances, like their daughters, friends, sisters, cousins, former roommate, or something like that. They knew each other somehow, and so um, they thought that it was going to work out, and they were nice, and said, and she asked him, you know, the Potential tenant said, "Can I put my stuff in the garage because you know I'm going to move it anyways, and so can I put it there now?" And they, being rather nice, not running it like a business and like a business should would be saying, "No, you don't even have it. Like I haven't had have any money from you, so no, you can't." But they did. They said yes, and literally the entire garage, from wall to wall, ceiling to floor, was full of stuff. Like literally just jam packed full of stuff, and the lady was a not good tenant and they didn't even pick her because her application she wouldn't even pay for the background check she wouldn't her application was bad like everything was bad about her but they let her move all of her junk in and so they literally had to move all that stuff out for her because they're trying to be nice anyways long story short do not let any tenant have any access to the property until they've signed and paid the first month's rent and the security deposit and all that sort of stuff The next step, and this is the last greatest step, is make a return, a positive return on your money. Isn't that fantastic? So you have your expenses. You've already calculated those out. You have your income. You know how much you're gonna make. You're making $1,200 a month, but your expenses are $950 a month. That's everything, taxes, insurance, mortgage payment, all that sort of stuff. So you make $250 a month. Isn't that fantastic? you are now making a positive return on your money. That's passive income coming into your pocket. Now that is the step-by-step process. And again, I have the whole diagram for you to look at. Now at any one of these steps in the process, if something doesn't work out, You can always negotiate back with the seller. And then you can also, on top of that, you could just cancel the contract and find another property. So you're going to be set to make sure that you're not losing money from your properties. And thank you again, guys, so much for being a part of the Master Passive Income podcast. I really, really enjoy being here with you. Now, if you want to get started investing in rental properties and you have no idea how, I have a free course for you. Go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. Get your free course that's going to show you how to get started investing in real estate rental properties, and you can expand your mind to see how you can actually live the dream life and never work again and have an automatic business that runs itself. All right, guys. Again, this is 2019. We are starting a brand new year. Get out there. Make things happen. Get your first property. Get your next property. Get your business going so you can live the dream life and quit your job and never work again. All right, guys. See you next week. Peace out.